In the last episode, I predicted that the carded figures from The Empire Strikes Back may be the next Star Wars action figures to rise in value. And over the course of our conversation, Matt George and I highlighted some of the factors that may contribute to a surge in collector interest and in prices. The Empire Strikes Back was one of those rare instances in which a sequel film matched the excitement and draw of the original. And for many Star Wars fans, it has become their favorite Star Wars film of all time. Through the 1980s Kenner figure line, we were introduced to a new assortment of action figures that were just as dynamic as the ones released for the first film. The figures covered all the major sequences and planets visited over the course of our two-hour journey in movie theaters across the world. From the opening scene on the ice planet of Hoth, Kenner offered Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Leia Organa in their cold-weather gear. Our three-and-three-quarter-inch Rebel commander and the Rebel soldiers fought valiantly against the incoming Imperial snowtroopers and ADAT drivers, led by the ADAT commander. After fleeing Hoth, our rebels were chased by the black-armored TIE fighter pilots. And to recreate the scene of Luke landing on Dagobah, Kenner gave us the wise and mystical Jedi Master Yoda, one of the smallest figures ever produced for the line, and one of the most beloved. And Darth Vader sent his bounty hunters after Han and Leia in an effort to set a trap for Luke. Six strange and mysterious figures were part of this group. Dengar, Zuckus, Forlom, Bosk, IG-88, and the legendary Boba Fett. Our heroes eventually landed on Bespin's Cloud City. Kenner introduced the Lando Calrissian action figure, along with Lobot, the Ugnaughts, the Cloud Car pilots, two Bespin security guards, and Han, Luke, and Leia in their Bespin outfits. And R2-D2 and C-3PO were updated, as Kenner added a sensor scope to the little silver dome droid, and gave 3PO removable limbs. And from the final sequence of the film, as Luke was receiving a new robotic hand after his battle with Darth Vader, we received a 2-1-B medical droid figure. The line was rich in characters, ones familiar and new. And for children, these figures helped to tell an entirely new set of stories while they played, developing fertile imaginations. And for collectors, Empire's carded figure offering was beautifully designed and captures the joy and excitement of the sequel film that changed movie-making forever. This is a look back at some of those figures and other meaningful memorabilia from The Empire Strikes Back. This is part four of an exploration through the latest Hakes auction catalog, number 234. This is a conversation with friend, collector, and author Matt George on why these items are so special, which ones are undervalued, and which ones may surprise you. This is a collection of some of the nicest carded vintage figures available in one event. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Coruscant to Tatooine, in 
every planet in between. Star Wars, prototypes and production with your host, David Quinn. It's a trap! Yes, monster. The Force will become a Jedi like my father. The Force will be with you. Always. Matt George, we are still going strong on our Empire Strikes Back look uh, at the items in the Hakes auction. I cannot believe how many pieces there are in this and uh, how many good pieces and pieces really worth discussing. So if you're up for it, let's continue and and let's really round this off with uh, another look into the Empire Strikes Back stuff from Hakes. Hey, we've made it this far. Let's keep going. All right. We got, uh, we're talking about 31 back boss being so tough to find. It looks like the, whosoever collection this was, I think this is, is clearly this is like came from a single source a lot of this stuff uh it looks like that person maybe put this 32 back in as kind of a stand-in until they were able to get a 31 back but man this thing is gorgeous straight 85 unpunched um the the tape looks like it's i mean firmly still stuck to the the bubble the bubble itself is nice and this thing has a lot going for it here. And I would say because <laughs> there's this one and one other character we'll talk uh, about a little later are the ones that I've kind of got my eye on. Um, I've got a 31 back boss, but <laughs> mine's a 60 because there's a tiny little insect, tiny little bug that's crawled <laughs> up that's inside the bubble. So it looks like he was, I don't know, he, he saw a little lizard friend and wanted to... Uh, to play chicken with him, but he, no, he got up in there and, um, since I've been doing this, like 31 backs just come up so infrequently. That's the first one I saw in, I don't know how many years. So I grabbed it, but, um, I, I would like to get maybe a, uh, upgrade the condition on that one. And this, th- you know, straight 85 might be a good, uh, good alternative here. If you weren't a collector and you were asking me about how I collect and what I look for, and I, I had to just show you a, a simple picture of, of the type of item that I collect, this Bosque would be it. Unpunched, no sticker, uh, gorgeous clear bubble, a pristine looking bubble, amazing looking figure. You know, a lot of times we do tend to see that that white on the figure start to fade. Um, uh, weapon taped to the inside of the bubble. I mean, this is just, it's just a pristine gorgeous example you can see how even the the color on the logo just pops it's um god it's a gorgeous piece Uh, Mm -hmm. if this is one that you're targeting uh, it makes total sense and i i think you know because i think people don't see the 31 a backs a lot so i think people just tend to look at the 32 back as the as the (laughs) the debut for the figure um because it you know the 31 a just doesn't show up enough um Straight 85s on this. I mean, you can tell this one earned it, and it just it looks gorgeous. So, yeah, if you go for this, Matt, I, I hope you win it because it is a beautiful piece. I think this is just going to exceed the the uh, high end of the limit here. It, it's value code is 1,000 to 2,000. And it's already at 950 with six bids. So I, I don't know. This is one of those pieces where I think, again, you look back in a while – 
especially if they do this character in in one of the Disney Plus shows or a movie. I think he's a good candidate to be in, in one of those things. Um, I think this is a piece that people are going to be after on down the road. We've seen it in the fan conversations and, you know, during the, the book of Boba, um, as the show was, you know, premiering each week on, on Disney plus, uh, there were conversations, you know, where people were like, Oh, I really hope we get to see Bo, uh, Bosk because he's one of, he's a Trandoshan, which is the, the type of creature. We've seen a number of Trandoshans appear in the Mandalorian and in Book of Boba, um, but we haven't seen Bosk yet. And I think I think people were a little disappointed, um, only because they really like the design of the figure so much and are looking to see these bounty hunters. I don't think it's going to stop here. I don't think it's going to end at nine fifty. Um, but I, I don't know if it's going to cross $2,000 and that might be actually, you know, a really good thing if, if, you know, you're listening to this and, and maybe interested in it or targeting it. Um, so Matt, you might have a really good chance to pick up a gorgeous piece for under the high end of the estimate on this one. And I think that would be, you know, a steal. I think anything under God, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars would be a steal for this. Yeah. I'm, uh, maybe go ahead and put a bid in on it right now. <laughs> You're gonna see the uh, value jump here in a minute. Let's see. I wanted to put in a bid for the uh, the rocket firing Fed as well too, just to put in a fun bid. But <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> All right, I'm in. I am in. Let's see. Oh, okay. On, on a completely unrelated note, the Bosque has jumped up to one thousand and forty-five dollars right now. So, may whoever just put in a bid, uh, may that person just win this beautiful piece. Mm. <laughs> no, but seriously, good luck. I, I think that's that's pretty cool. It's a, it's a nice one. Um, so now, so that's the. I think those are the only thirty-two backs. Uh, there's a Vader in here as well, graded at a fifty. Um, I think this one will still go higher than its its current value which is $200 but um yeah i think the 50 will hold it back somewhat but it is vader uh it is one that is desirable i've seen a lot more interest in a 32 back vader recently so who knows yeah vader something about vader on the empire card is pretty cool yeah the photo is sort of menacing with the colors i just i love it i think it's really nice um and again i could see that you know Someone just picking up a Vader for more of a value price and uh, and getting a nice one. So, I guess the next we got here forty one backs. Um, looks like we've got a good mixture of survival kit offer and no survival kit offer. I mentioned this earlier, Matt, but I, I think I think it's worth repeating. So, I, I think the forty the I think the introduction of the forty one back figures. So there were. Essentially, you know, not counting Yoda, there were nine uh, that were introduced on, on these 41 backs. And while we have some that are like, uh, you know, Han Solo in his Bespin outfit, I think we did have, it, it reminds me of the second eight from the Star Wars line, you know, where they had some more interesting creatures. And, you know, um, we have Lobot, who's an android. We have uh uh, Dengar, who's a, a, a strange-looking bounty hunter, uh, the Ugnaught, um, 
who else do we have? 21B, the medical droid, the ADAT driver. Um, so we, we have some interesting characters that are either Imperials or, or droids or creatures. And, um, and I, I think it makes, you know, it makes the Star Wars universe more interesting. And I think it makes this Empire line more interesting, too. Are there any here you're going to go after? I need a Han Bespin on a 41 back. So I have to take a closer look at the um, at the, the figure in the bubble. But, you know, again, a really nice looking one. Um, it looks like the bubble might have a slight tint to it. Hard to tell just from cursory look like this, but. Maybe not, but it, it just a God, just a gorgeous piece. You know, that's another one like um, it's really tough to find these in good condition. And uh, the paint on this one looks really nice. Uh, the fact that it's unpunched. Yeah, this is the, the fact that this was on 41 and not 31. I think, I don't know, the, the speculator, in me, speculator in me thinks that this one is undervalued to the market just because it, it was absolutely. not a 31. It, like as a kid, this is the figure that they got the most play. Um, in my, in my world, at least, uh, this was, I don't know. I, he's, he, uh, he was a stand in for Indiana Jones too, until the Indiana Jones toy came out. <laughs> sure. Um, but it's just, such just like the classic Han outfit. Um, and this is know. what I'm, it's, that's what yeah. I'm saying with the, uh, the, the entire line. Like if you look at the empire strikes back, they didn't front load all of the good characters, you know, in, in the 31 releases, like they have some spread out, like we're going to get to the 45 backs where, you know, we're going to have, um, Luke Hoth. And then we get to the 40, you know, 47 backs and, you know, with, um, uh, R2D2 with the sensor scope and C3PO with the removable limbs and then the 48 backs. So I, I think the, the consistency is really nice here. And I think in each release you have some real gems and this one is just stunning. Yeah. No, that, that's an underrated figure. And I mean, 700 to a thousand. I mean, if the Leia Bespin is, I mean, it's valued at almost a thousand already. It's got a value code of a thousand to 2000. It's an 85, but it's punched. And the, here's the Han debut unpunched straight 85. And it's half that or, a little bit more than half that, but his value code is 700 to a thousand. Like this one's just underappreciated. Either that or Hakes just underestimated this one. Um, yeah, but even in the, I mean, I haven't looked at it too closely, but my impressions of just seeing people transact or whatever, it just doesn't seem like this one gets a, the same love as the, the 31. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, um, and I think it's really hard just to find a nice, clean example like this. So we don't really see a lot of these pop up um, to get any sort of idea of like a comparable sale. But um, yeah, I, I think I think you've definitely hit something here. Um, just even looking through the, the list of, of figures, maybe the maybe the Adat driver and and the Han are probably the, the two. um that we'll, we'll really see pop and we'll see come close to the, the 31 back sales. Now there's one down here that I want to call out because 
they rarely come up in this good of shape. Can and I guess? Can I guess? Yes. Two one B. That not that's not what I had in mind, but yeah, okay. you are correct. Two one Bs definitely don't come up too often in great shape. You, the pipe usually comes out of the mouth. But the one I was thinking of is the denger. Now, denger for whatever reason, we you know the the bubbles yellow quite a bit on denger. And then because he's a bigger bubble, bigger figure, you see a lot of waviness on the card. Mm-hmm. This particular example, straight 85, crystal clear bubble, unpunched, offerless. This, I mean, this very rarely comes along. So I think this one is going to be um, one that is going to surprise some folks. I've been following the Dengar market for a while because um... – I, I had been hunting a 41A and then either a 41C or a 41E, which is what this is. And um, I was fortunate to get mine, which is offerless, and graded straight 85s, clear bubble. And, and I paid, I think I really, I think I paid something like $200 for it. Um, but I've been watching these ever since. And, and one of the issues that we've always had with Dengar is that he was a peg warmer. You know, he was one of those characters that people just, I think kids didn't really know what to do with or really want. And so this figure sat on shelves for so long, you know, visited the clearance bins and uh, the figure has that, that heavy backpack too. And I think that weight adds to issues with the bubble. We've seen Mm -hmm. so many of these, as you said, either yellow bubble, uh, crinkled at the bottom or, you know, dented around the sides and on the top. Uh, the figure is very hard to get at, at an 85 um, because they, for some reason, this the white of the plastic starts to redden, and we see that with almost every Dengar out there. Um, so yeah, uh, this one, I think people are on to it because right now it has a, a high bid of 880, um, which has you know is more than double the high end of of the estimate. Um, so if you were if you were looking at this, you know, two weeks from now or so, where do you think this will wind up? Um, I'm going to say this one's going to end up at fifteen hundred. Oh, okay. I think that's a solid number. Absolutely. Uh, this one's going to be the one that surprises surprises folks. Like I, I can't stress how like uncommon this condition is for this figure. And I think as interesting as the 41A backs are and desirable, um, I, it seems to me that many more collectors are going after Empire figures on offerless backs. And so mm-hmm. to have a 41 back E, um, you know, at straight 85s, you're right. Finding a Dengar like this is, it, it can be next to impossible. <laughs> so It's so weird. I mean, the, the value code on this one makes no sense to me. 200 to 400? I like, think I think it does, though. I think people just for years have overlooked how hard it is to get this figure because it was one that was just unloved for so long. You know, and, two, and, two to four hundred. Like if look at the the Walrus Man forty one back. This is seventy. It's two to four hundred. And then if you look at the Ugnot forty one back a AFA eighty five four hundred to seven hundred. Like I don't know, something doesn't sit right. I think okay. it's just, that was just undervalued. Yeah. That's like one of the only two in this whole ESB release that's in that two to 400 band, right? Now there's a Canada 
Imperial Commander down here, but it's, yeah. Yeah, um, but you're right. I think a lot of people have underestimated that one. I would also, I would, I think there is a group in here, and I would say it's probably of this, this 41 back group that we've seen where if you're not someone who's paying attention to the, the price jumps, um, you're more likely to undervalue these or to miss them completely. And I think that's with the Lobot, the, especially the Rebel Commander. Um, I've seen that figure sell for easily over $1,000, if not mm-hmm. you know, much more, um, mm-hmm. because it's just so hard to find one graded at an 85. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, I, I guess I'd even throw uh, the Imperial Commander in there as well, too. I think that's just another you know, tough 41 back that, again, these people thought of them as peg warmers. And now those are some of the toughest ones to find in really good condition because people weren't saving them. They weren't you know, buying them and, and holding on to them. They were just languishing on store shelves. Yeah, that Rebel Commander AFA-85 here, um, the the gun has come out, which is very common, but that's the only thing keeping it from a straight 85. That Those have steadily gotten pretty crazy for uh, for that character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that one's got the, I guess, a $1,000 to $2,000 value range. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the... I mean, we, we talk about these, like, groups of figures, 31 back, 12 back, 20 back. We talk about the 31s kind of peaking or on the kind of the uptick now. I, after that, it's going to be 41 backs. So, mm-hmm. let's see how this auction... This is the nicest 41 back and 31 backs I can remember in Hakes. Absolutely. Especially some of these key characters. And all it takes is, like, them to do a Disney show on Bounty Hunters and Denver and Bosk are going to... Skyrocket. Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing too. I don't think we would normally spend this this much time going through individual backs like this or individual um figures, carded figures in, in an auction as big as this one, but I with all with the with the grades and with the quality that we're seeing here, I I can't remember seeing a uh, an auction that had this this level of quality for carded figures. Yeah. Hmm. There's your two one B. The two one B is really nice. My concern with it uh, is that that mask that that's on the front of his face uh, can easily come off over time. It's just it's one of those where you either see uh, the the medical wand that he has. What is that? The the medical accessory that he comes with um, fall, you know, become mm-hmm. loose from the tape. And a lot of times you just see the mask fall off and it looks like it's hard to tell, but it, it does look like it's slowly coming off. And my fear with that is the card is an 80 already. And if that happens to the, you know, if anything were to happen to that figure, uh, then it's no longer an 85. You're dealing with an 80. Yeah. But it's already at $605 now. The value code is 700 to $1,000. Uh, Matt, do you, do you think this one will cross 1000 Uh, no, I don't. Okay. I think it, uh, it'll be pretty close to it. This one's t- one that's been sneaky tough to find in good shape for a while. I think prices a lot of have, these are. Yeah, the, the prices the, the have been ones? going up on this one for a while. Um, so I, it's not really under the radar anymore. It's a, it's a tough character to find in good shape. 
I'm on the opposite side of you on this one. I think that this is going to surpass a thousand. I think we could see it in the twelve hundred to fourteen hundred dollar range. Yeah, I say the twelve to thirteen hundred. Mm. Definitely wouldn't shock me if it was, you know, unpunched and straight eighty five. Then I think uh, for sure. Hmm. We'll see. It's fun of the auction. I, I don't know too much about this one. I've been trying to follow the 41Ds, but I just want to bring your attention to the, the Yoda. Um, so this is a Yoda 41D. It's a brown snake. Um, and I think 41D was the transition point. And I think that, um, if I have it correct, that some of the apple head variants, which is sort of like a more of like a candy green, uh, appeared with an orange snake on the 41 D back. And then, so, so the, the first half of them were, you know, the, I guess like the final orange snake versions were released like that. And then it was switched over during this 41 D to the Brown snake versions. So this one might be somewhat sneaky as well too. The, uh, the estimate on this is 700 to a thousand. And I don't know if it's because it's a tougher one to find, brown snake variant or you know if it's just that it's a yoda so it's it's up to almost six hundred dollars right now yeah i mean to your point earlier yoda has seen uh heightened interest here of late um i don't know i can't really speak to when the transition came but um people dig that brown snake and it's uh it used to not be you know much different than the orange snake back in the day. And now people usually pay up to get them on the card. So we'll see. I know you just, you just breeze past the Ugnot here. Uh, I was just going to mention that. So yeah, go ahead. What do, what do you think of the Ugnot? I mean, Queel is my guy. My uh, wife got me started <laughs> talking about, hear me talk about Queel. Sure. And uh, I was glad to see him bring some love to the Ugnot, but. Um, another, another one where you, it's, it's tougher to find in good condition. I think this was a, you know, talk about peg warmer effect on these conditions later on. Um, I definitely think that that's a character where you know, that applies to, um, just missed a straight 85 was in the card, which is you know, usually when these are dinged, it's because of the card. Um, usually smaller bubbles, we see a lot of waviness particularly at the top of the card, uh, running horizontal, um, just because of the way that they were packed and uh, the way they sat in the box. Um, but no, really cool. I always liked the card art of this one. It was really made, made a, a pig person look pretty interesting. There's another offerless card uh, similar to the Dengar where it's, um, it's the AT-AT driver, and it's on a 41 back E. And it's also graded in 85. I mean, talk about great card backs. That, uh, the card art of the Adit Driver is among the best there is. Um, man, whoever collection this was had some great stuff. The figure grade on this one is a 90. And considering the paint apps on this are usually really tough to find. Very. In... in Really, I mean, 80s are tough to find because of the, the just the way the paint, the nature of the paint on this figure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the emblems on the top of the head were tough to find in great shape, but here we have a 90. 
Um, really cool to see. I think this one's going to do well. Got a value code of thousand to two thousand. I think it was an interesting choice. Speaking about the card back to for the photo art to use a close up of the Adat driver. Um, and I, I think it was just the right, absolute right choice. I mean, it's just so nice to see this figure up close like that. Um, the, the figure itself does tend to discolor around the torso. So you get sort of kind of a, more of a beige, uh, instead of the white. So, and this one is, it looks, gosh, it looks brand new. I mean, gorgeous. Um, you know, again, I would put this figure sort of around the snow trooper range, um, I, th- I think Hakes backs that up. They have a a thousand to two thousand dollar estimate for this. Um, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I. Man, we are this so close to getting like if it was uh, if it was unpunched, I think it would it would go past two thousand just because it's got that ninety figure grade. Um, I think this is going to be one that's that's going to increase as the auction goes on, as people kind of get closer to it and start digging into these items a little bit more. And um, I don't know if people have necessarily seen that that's the 90 figure grade on that one, but it won't elude people as we kind of get closer and closer to go time. Mm. Do you do you see it going over the two thousand dollar range or hitting up on you know on that that high part of the estimate? No, I think it'll be. Um, I think it'll be maybe a little under where the uh, Imperial snow trooper is. So okay, that makes like sense. 1500 or so, maybe, maybe a little less. I have a special connection to this figure. Um, so I bought a 41 a back graded at an 85 from a, a really good friend. And um, I bought it the day that I went to my first ever star Wars club meetup. And it was part of the Empire State Group. And um, it was the first time I'd ever, you know, attended an event outside of something like Celebration that was just at somebody's house. So we went to Ron Salvatore's house, who's a well-known uh, person in the hobby and, a, a you know, a, a collector with this fantastic, mind-blowing collection. And, um, and then we, uh, during our, our time there, we stopped off at a friend's house and I had purchased this, this uh, AT-AT driver. And it's become one of the most meaningful pieces in my collection simply because I bought it on that day, the first time I'd ever gone to a meetup, met so many wonderful people that I'm blessed to call friends today, you know, people that you and I both know, Matt, and that we spend a lot of time with them, uh, either on Zoom chats or on, you know, in the Facebook groups or in person um, throughout the year. And it just, uh, it's, it's one of those days that kind of changed my life. And, uh, and so that, that's the memento, the physical, tangible memento that I have from that day. Oh, cool. Good story. Yeah, Ron's a great guy. Ron, I uh, have a lot of respect for Ron. He, um, I don't know, I like when he comes on to the, the Kive cast and shares stories about how some of these rare prototypes were, you know, obtained, how they tracked them down. And, um, you know, that's something I identify with. It's a lot of fun to hear him talk about kind of the, the good old days when, mm. when that stuff was out there. Um, and just how they came about the items. Just always fun to hear him talk about it. I also think he doesn't, he doesn't get enough credit uh, for his writing as well too. Um, mm-hmm. So he writes for the star Wars collectors archive, the SWCA. If you go to the SWCA.com um, you can read a lot of his blog posts and articles and my gosh, I mean, 
I think he just wrote one on the uh, junior achievement items that had come up. Um, and, uh, you know, that was in, in a partnership with Kenner and just his, his style, his writing, his ability to explain a lot of this stuff, you know, sometimes headier concepts or, you know, um, just to, to unearth a lot of this stuff too is, is pretty fantastic. So yeah, Ron's okay. He's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, again, okay. So now we're on the, we're still on the 41, uh, back figures and, and this is a 41 e back uh this is another tough one that that people overlook because it's the character is a little bland um but i've seen the prices of these uh jump um severely over the last few years this is the imperial commander but yeah this is uh this is they showed him on that's julian glover so he played general beers mm-hmm. on the uh i wish they would have called him general beers i think it'd be more appreciation for this character if absolutely uh, calling him general veers and just to have this one as the imperial commander i mean there isn't you know again i think that's part of the reason why it's been sort of a peg warmer for a while um and you know these are these are a little these are tough to find uh graded in 85 um they have become much more desirable this one the grade is fantastic um they are notorious for having the the blasters come loose and this one is is leaning a little bit, but it, it still looks like it's intact. And um, the God, the card and the figure are both eighty five subgrades, and the bubble is a ninety. So, mm-hmm. um, to anyone who's listening who who likes these uh, Empire Strikes Back cards, um, consider adding one from this auction. <laughs> this is this is probably the nicest group of Empire figures that I think I've ever seen in one place. Yeah, I mean. That that tape is clinging onto that bubble for dear life there, <laughs> but it's holding. It's holding um, steady. But yeah, the uh, yeah. To your point, I mean, there's just the quality of these items is just uh, fantastic. True value, very rare price sticker there. True value. It just mm-hmm. shows you how popular these toys were back then, where you got a hardware store selling toys. The, the this figure pops too. Like that black is just real sharp. Up against the yellow, yeah. I mean, yeah, whoever painted this one did a good job. There's very little overspray. Um, you notice the overspray a lot on this character just because it's all black, but they did a great job with this one. Mm. Um, the estimate for this seems to be kind of low, 400 to $700 mm-hmm. for an 85. What's your take on it? Yeah, with that 90 subgrade, I mean, I think it is low. I worry about that that tape coming off. Um, yeah, that terrifies me when you're spending that kind of money on this figure. This one could be a candidate for that 85 plus if if you were to regrade it. Let's see. I mean, if an Imperial Commander gets to a thousand bucks, then we know that the, uh, the prices are crazy because that was always just such a common. That was a hundred, two hundred dollar figure for the longest time, even in immaculate shape. But they they've really started to edge up around that price. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would say one in good condition, seven hundred to a thousand over the last few, probably two years. And this um, is another character that's got a lot of really good run in Mandalorian. There's, um, you know, there's seeming seemingly to be quite a few Imperial commanders pop up from episode to episode, and you get some famous actors even playing some of them these days. So. Mm-hmm. Top of mind for sure. 
uh, you know, I, I know it's the first order for the um, for the sequel trilogy now, but you know, at places like Galaxy's Edge or even the new Halcyon Star Cruiser, uh, you're seeing Imperial uh, characters walking, you know, through either the streets or the the uh, the, the starships. So yeah, they're they're prevalent. And I like their little In and Out Burger hats they wear. You get the, um, <laughs> they just need the they just need the the uh, clothespin on their belt just to complete the work. Yeah, it's um, it's menacing and makes you hungry. So perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get it animal style. <laughs> All right, we are getting into uh, just a, a segment of, of figures that I just love the the forty five backs. Um, so Matt, from this group, what do you see here? 45 backs are where you start to see the yellowing take shape. So it's not uncommon to see 45 backs with yellow. Um, hurts the value. And we see the, the premium that Return of the Jedi with clear bubbles have. Um, I see a lot of 45 backs with Toys R Us stickers on them. I don't know why that yes. is. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it seems to be more common than any other release with Toys R Us stickers. So not quite sure why that is, but uh, just something that I've noticed. But um, let's see, what's the mail away offer for the, for the 45 back? What do you get? It's the action figure display arena. So it was sort of that white puzzle piece shaped um, footer display. And then it had, it came with these little cards that you would put in each one as you'd link them together and they were, you know, different scenes. Uh, I think of, of Bespin of, of Hoth and of, um, Dagobah. Mm, yeah. That's right. And you can like, it's actually really cool. And I, I've never really noticed this, um, on the back where it's talking about the display arena on the, on the bottom third of the card back. Um, it shows you the different patterns that you can arrange these pieces to be in, um, uh, to make for different displays. Yeah, very cool. And like this particular, this Luke here, this 45 back Luke Hoth, it was graded 85 with no yellow, but since it's been graded, it's turned yellow quite a bit. So right. I, I don't know when this was graded, but um, just goes to show you like how um, susceptible 45 backs are to turning yellow. This one's done so within the last you know several years and unfortunately it just look like the fact that it's such a white backdrop and it's a white figure it just makes the yellow stand out that much more and that's always been the frustrating thing with this particular character is you know it's such an important character for the story um important character in general like luke hoth and white outfit it's just uh it's a shame that so many of them are yellowed yeah on top of it i think a number of these luke hoth figures tend to get that that reddening on the body where where the white is um i don't know if it's just you know if it's a chemical effect with the plastic um but it starts to discolor where they'll turn a pinkish red um this one does not seem to really have any of that maybe maybe the slightest tinge but um you know again finding one that's 85 even if it's even with the yellow bubble is really tough. Um, these Luke Hoth figures have been desirable for a long time now, and we've really seen the prices jump on them. Yeah. I, uh, 
don't know. What, what, what is your thoughts on how this, how high this one's going to go? I really think the estimate of $700 to $1,000 is low. I think it's a fair one given the fact that it does have a yellow bubble. Uh, it is punched. It, it has a price sticker. You know, some of that stuff might turn off certain collectors who are looking for a higher grade or a higher grade example. But I could easily see this one going over a thousand dollars. You know, I, I think maybe somewhere, maybe it lands in like the eleven hundred, twelve hundred dollar range. So let me ask you this: so if there was an eighty that was clear, that was unpunched. What do you think that would go for? An 80 that was clear and unpunched? Yeah. I think it would sell for $1,000. Maybe more. Clear Luke Hoth figures are incredibly desirable. Yeah. And as long as it's sort of 80 and above, I mean, I think even even out of 75, just because it is hard to find one that's clear, um, I think it also comes down to the figure too. If the figure is as white as this one, and and you know it's nice looking overall presentation, um, yeah. All right. So the yellowing of the bubble is worth about a, a level of grading to you. So like an eighty-five with yellow bubble would be similar to an eighty with clear. Uh, I mean, I I think. I think the 80 clear, as long as it displayed nicely, would probably be more desirable. Um, but there are people who are just, you know, chasing an overall grade, you know, and they, they want to see that every single piece that they have is an 85. And this one's it's just notoriously hard to get an 85 for this one. Yeah. I would put an 80 or an 80 plus with a clear bubble on par with an 85 with a yellow bubble. Yeah. So it's about the same. Okay. And the kind of that thousand twelve hundred dollar range, you think? I think so, and I wouldn't be shocked to see this thing go for fifteen hundred dollars, just because it's Lukoth. It's a nice example, and I think once you start getting into these forty-five backs, um, people are are less picky about trying to find clear bubbles. Yeah. All right. What else we got here? We have the Black Bespin Security Guard, which made its debut on the 45 back card as well. And again, this one, it has a yellow bubble, but it is an 85. So we are just, we are seeing a consistent run of AFA 85 graded Empire Strikes Back figures. Um, we talked about this one with the white Bespin Security Guard on the 31 backs. It, these, those two figures are notorious for having the gold trim around the jacket just start to fade after a while to the point where it can completely disappear, um, which is a very strange look on a figure. If you're familiar with the Bestman security guards, uh, this one, the gold looks perfect. The figure looks perfect. Um, the bubble is yellow. It has a slight tint to it. It's not that, you know, that, that, um, almost <laughs> honey gold yellowing that we see with, with some of the later ones. But, um, this one just displays nicely. I've been looking for both security guards for so long. Uh, and, yeah, it's a straight 85s. Uh, it looks like the blaster's still taped to the bubble, so really nice one. Yeah, the paint on this thing is outstanding. Yes, and really, you just you don't see these where the even like on his eyes, the uh, the red around the cuffs too are nice. I mean, it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Too bad it's Bespin Security Guard. <laughs> I like the Bespin Security Guards. I think they're cool. Um, I just give them all kinds of crap because they're so common. But yeah, I mean, this is if you're going to get one, this is be hard for us to find a better one. They're common. You rarely see, you rarely see them with uh, a clear bubble. But they are common, but I would throw them in with the Dengars and Ugnaughts and all these other ones that, that people have overlooked. And, you know, just finding a really nice one that hasn't lost the, the gold paint or that has a you know nice paint on it, uh, unpunched, you know, high grade or whatever. Um, I, you know, I think I think that fits into the same category. And these two that are offered for uh, for the Hakes auction are really impressive. Yeah, the level of peg warmer that this character has achieved <laughs> is like it's off the charts. Like they can't even measure it. Yes. Um, so you you don't see them in, in great condition. No, because they just sat for years and years. I mean, he, I I think it's this character, but I've, I've I've seen a coin sticker on an Empire Strikes Back Bespin security guard. Like that's how long they were <laughs> out. Like yeah. they, they went through entire Return of the Jedi like life cycle of product, and they got to the coins and they sent the stickers to the stores to like slap on their Star Wars figures, which was 1984, 1985, and and these and, were released in 1982. 80, yeah, 80, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Lobot <laughs> and Black Bus Security Guard were the two that I've have seen with a coin <laughs> offer on an Empire Strikes Back card. Yeah. I used to have one back in the day. Wow. Well, speaking of peg warmers, I think we're also looking at a cloud car pilot too, which has tended to be a a, a peg warmer. And uh, this is this is our first. I think it's our first eighty. Um, but you know, again, these are notorious. It's so hard to find one in good condition. Um, usually, you know the 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 cloud car pilot's outfit is mostly white. And a lot of times that white starts to, to discolor. Um, this figure came with two accessories, a comlink and a blaster. Both of them were taped to the, the sides of the bubble. And both of them are, especially the comlink is just notorious for just sliding through that tape and falling off. Um, and these were peg warmers. So, you know, finding one that's unpunched is really difficult. Finding one with, you know, six Finding one with less than three or four price stickers on it, you know, where it hasn't been clearanced a hundred times is tough too. Uh, mm-hmm. So this one at an 80, I mean, to me, honestly, it displays like an 85. Um, it looks like it has a slight wave to the card. Um, the figure might have a little bit of discoloration, which is what happens to the, the you know, the white jumpsuit. Um, but yeah. Um, were you a fan of this one, Matt? No. <laughs> no. Not I, a fan uh, of the figure. No, uh, sorry, Matthias. Um, this is just a character that I, <laughs> I I didn't like growing up. I, I only reason I got it as a kid was because I wanted to collect them all. I immediately lost the comlink. Um, <laughs> he he never rode in the cloud car. Like I always mm-hmm. had like important people in the cloud car. The cloud car was the first vehicle I ever got, oh, and wow. the cloud car pilot was one of the last figures I ever got. Um, this is one of my least favorite card art uh, pieces as well, too. I mean, I just, you know, getting this and 
I don't know if I got the figure before I saw the movie or if I just didn't make the connection of, of where this figure went, but I remember looking at the card and going, I don't know what's happening in this picture. And I just couldn't figure it out. Now you can see the, the you know, as you get older, you can see the cloud car or whatever, but it just, uh, it's just, it's just a bad picture. They, whoever designed the cloud car for Bespin really didn't give the cloud car pilot much room to move his head. Because <laughs> He really looks wedged in there pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it almost looks like the helmet is sticking out, like, above the top of the uh, of the, the, the hatch, <laughs> the canopy there. Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, it's it's hard to get a good idea of, of the figure just from looking at the card art. Um, and I, you know, again, it almost looks like the figure's in this sort of mechanized suit rather than an actual ship like I, I just could i remember looking at it you know it also didn't help that it had the offer for the star wars display arena in the front of it too so you couldn't really even get a feel for the um the design of the ship you know or the fact that the nose was coming uh, forward for it so yeah it was just one that i like the figure now i remember getting it and liking it because it was a star wars figure but not really knowing what to do with it yeah i mean if they would have made his goggles any color other than orange and the helmet any color other than bright orange. I think it would have helped the, the coolness factor tremendously. And then he also came with a drill. Like, I'm sorry, it's a drill, not a gun. And it's just so much wrong with this character. Yeah. It's a very eighties design too, for the, the, the colors and, you know, that sort of soft yellow and, and then the, the, the orange that's, it's not really like a neon orange. It's just sort of a reddish orange. Yeah. Uh, just, I appreciate the figure now though. I, I like it. And I, I do hope to add a, a 45 back. Um, and I'd like to get him on a Jedi card too. Interesting. Hmm. Well, this one's clear, crystal clear here. So it's hard to find 45s on uh, the clear bubble on this figure. It's a good chance to get one here. And the fact that it, it's not an 85, you won't have to pay up for it the bubble looks like it's you know again these are from the photos that hakes has supplied uh if you look around the seal it looks like it might be starting to yellow i, I can't really tell um i think it's just probably the card yeah uh, the, the the backdrop of the behind the figure color because when you look at the the full bubble and the full front of the card it doesn't look like where it's uh, adhered to the card back as yellow right. in any way. That makes so sense. It just might be a little trick that the toy is playing with us on the light. I'll tell you though, Matt, that blaster drill looks like it's on its way out of that tape. It does. It really does. It looks <laughs> like it's just kind of uh, <laughs> tempting the laws of gravity there. It, yeah, it's leaning forward. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I trust it, but I, I am on the hunt for one. So might be this one, might be another one. Just go pick it up in person. Don't have them mail it. That's true. Absolutely. Um, the last one that we have for the, the 45 backs uh, that came out on the 45 back is the Adak Commander. Um, so this one is is known on the Sears Kenner Canada shrink-wrapped figure as uh, General Veers. Um, but uh, Matt, are you a fan of this one? Well, I... Again, I think they missed an opportunity to call this General Veers. Um, 
I don't like that he's not pictured on on the front of the card. Um, his flat stomach always kind of <laughs> I got kind of freaked out as a kid about it. I don't like he he comes with the the Bestman blaster, right? So like I don't know what this guy's. Uh, so when you say flat stomach, basically from his belt all the way up, almost to his collarbone in the center, he has what looks like a a flattened divot, um, where where your chest would would normally kind of curve out a little bit. Um, he's it, it, this figure is wearing uh, armor, so that that's that's less of his actual chest and more of just you know the armor plating that he has on. But you're right, it does look strange. Yeah, I never really liked this figure as a kid, but I don't know. Again, we got the Toys R Us sticker common on these 45 bags. It looks like he's got a little bit of a yellow tinge starting to set in. It was graded as a clear. But again, kind of that uh, issue with these 45 bags is starting to creep mm-hmm. in here. And then that bottom part of the tape looks like it's about to come off too. So, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that uh, that gun falls out. Might be a fast track down here to an 80, <laughs> 80Y. So. Yeah. Well, so I think we can agree from this this set of forty five backs, the Luke Hoth is probably going to sell for the the highest. Um, we also have a Sand People in here and an Adat Driver, um, but uh, yeah, so a, a good offering. We're starting to see yellow bubbles now, which is which is common. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, at some point, like by the time uh, Jedi got here, they were doing a lot of the figure packaging in the states. Um, I don't know that transition maybe in the 45 bags, but, and that's why they went to a cheaper plastic because they were doing it here in the States. They were just trying to shave dollars off or cents off, I should say. Um, but for whatever reason, like 45 bags are where we start to see the, the yellow bubbles. Mm-hmm. And now that's going to continue into some of the uh, 48 backs that we have here. We, ha- we have three 48 backs. Uh, one is a 48A. And I, I just love the 48 A's. It's uh, of the 48 backs. It's the only offerless card back for the 48. Um, and then we have um, a 40, 48 back C and another 48 back C. So the first one is the R2D2 with the sensor scope at a 48 A graded at an 80 Y. And then the next two are Zuckus uh, on a 48 C graded at an 85 and a TIE fighter pilot 48 C at an 85. Um, the R2 sensor scope is very popular. There's something about this 48 back, uh, where it just, it almost looks like the, the red and blue are, are kind of a, they're, they're each kind of that saturated color where up against each other, they're just really nice. Um, but as popular as I, as that one is, I think the TIE fighter pilot of these three is, might be the most popular. Yeah, for sure. It's a rare instance, along with the Imperial Commander, where the the, the toy was released anachronistically with the movie. Like that's you know he first showed up in a New Hope. Imperial Commander showed up in a New Hope, but released here on Empire. So um, I don't. Again, it's just personal preference. Then I'll show the carrot. Like Ada Driver looks so good on the card back, and here you have just a black version of a, an ad driver essentially. And they don't show it on the card back. They just show the picture of his ship. And so, the William Falcon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. 
It would have been really nice if they had some sort of dynamic background and then just basically almost like the negative with what they did with the Adat driver. Yeah, that would be really cool. Mm. Or him like falling behind Vader from the first movie. Mm -hmm. Anyway, get off on these opinions all day long. (laughs) So we have here, so like the the, uh, the R2 sensor scope, again, 48As are really tough to find. I think this one is going to be um, very popular. Um, the, so the R2 and the Zuckus are both in the 700 to $1,000 range. The Imperial TIE Fighter is higher than that. Um, we have seen the TIE Fighter rise in popularity, especially over the last few years. And, um, and so the estimate on this one is a thousand to $2,000. Um, so, you know, if you're hearing this and, and you think that sounds crazy, the current bid for it, uh, at an 85, on a 48C is already at $1,045. Um, so, yeah. Matt, do you think this one comes close to the high end of the of the estimate here at $2,000 or in the in the middle section of it? Where would you say? Yeah, I guess it's as good as mine. I have no idea. I've not been following this, uh, this part of the market closely. So. Okay. I've been picking these up. Um, I sold a 47 back. Uh, which is where the figure first appeared. And um, I sold it years ago and I really regretted it. Um, so I, I had been kind of chasing these for a while and managed to get, I think, three of them um, over the last two years. And, um, you know, it's just, it's hard to find a clear bubble for these. Um, and it's also hard, you know, again, to find one with, with the weapon, you know, still taped and, and just a nice one. This one's really gorgeous. I think the figure received an 80, but it overall grades an 85. Um, and these have just become very popular. I think it's, you know, there's, there's always that, the, the helmeted Imperials that are really popular and, and this one just shines through. So, uh, I, I think it'll hit somewhere in like the $1,500 range. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember when this is just a, just kind of a common figure and, wasn't uh was kind of on the low end of things and just over the years with popularity just shot up right and i mean you know there was a point where you could get them especially on the return of the jedi cards for well under a hundred dollars you know 30 to 60 dollars nobody really cared and um i would say in the last two years they've really started to to increase in value and and uh in desirability yeah, no doubt. So, Matt, that that takes care of the carded figures, um, and now we get into uh, there are just a, a handful of pieces here um, that are some of um, some of the the box figures and and uh, and sealed vehicles as well too. So, um, you want to kick us off here? We we have we have one more carded figure, I should say. It was a. Uh, uh, a Sears Canada um, shrink-wrapped R2-D2 with Periscope, graded at an AFA 70 with a Q-grade. Yeah, Q-grade is what I think all of these get Q-grades, just because of the nature of them. But there are uh, they're all shrink-wrapped. You could only get them in Canada. Um, I think it was a Sears exclusive. Um, at one point, there was... I, I don't know if this was just bad information, but at one point long, long ago, I heard they were drugstore related, but 
I don't think that's turned out to be correct. Um, it says here in the description, Sears. So I guess that's it. But yeah, AFA 70. Um, these are hard to come by. They're always real popular. Um, the General Veers was released, like the Attic Commander, I guess, was released on this under General Veers. Um, they only did less than a dozen different characters. So the run is not too terribly tough to put together from a number standpoint, but the, they are quite pricey. So here we're already at 2700 value range, five to 10,000. Um, yeah, I think this one will get the, we'll get to the 5,000. Uh, I'm not quite sure if it'll get to the 10 though. I want to share this. This is from uh, collector Shane Turgeon from a number of years ago. And he had, he had written this on, on one of the, uh, the forum posts about these shrink wrap figures. So he said they were released on the generic black cards simply because at the time of their release, they were exclusive to Sears Canada and their regular production card backs hadn't been produced yet. Sears Canada and Kenner slash Irwin had a great working relationship. And because of that, they were granted an exclusive release on some of the new figures. There are seven in total and four were released in 1980. Ugnaught, Han Cloud City Outfit, Dengar and Lobot. And they eventually came out on 41 backs. In 1981, Sears had an exclusive on three more upcoming ESB figures, and they were General Veers, which is the ADAT driver, Luke Hoth, and R2-D2 with Periscope. The different figure names were also... Um, the, the assigning different figure names was also a direct result of the fact that they hadn't been released anywhere else. Um, there's a number of collectors out there that have you know, put this set together and... Um, the R2, if, you know, if memory serves, is, is on the easier side to get. I know that there's some characters out there that are really, really tough to find. Um, I want to say the Ugnaught is tough to find. General Veers is tough just because it says General Veers, and people want to get that because it's different than the U.S. version. Um, I want to say Lobot. Is it Lobot? It's tough to find. But um, anyway, I, it's cool to see this one pop up just because you don't see them come up for sale at, a, at an auction very frequently. Mm. I would say we don't, we don't know too much about these. The estimate is five to $10,000. Matt, if we, you were going to take a guess, where would you like right now it's at uh twenty six ninety five. So if you were taking yeah, a guess, so, what do you think? Uh, yeah. The, kind of the lower side of that range. There was five another character. That, yeah. You don't see these in like too great a condition. Like, Conditions important, but like on something this rare, it's maybe not as important. So, um, I would say I want to get six thousand. Okay, I think that's a fair. Yeah, it's a fair value. Um, okay, next we have uh, one that's pretty interesting. Really high estimate. Um, it could be one of the you know bigger pieces in the auction. Uh, Matt, please fill us in on this. Yeah, so what we have here, lot number 1759, it's a three-pack Sears exclusive. Um, so it's not like the uh, three-packs that we talked about during the uh, the last podcast where it's three characters in one blister. Um, this is three carded figures in an outer packaging. Really good-looking packaging. Like it's It's got the... Empire Strikes Back logo. It says Sears exclusive on it. 
Um, it's, uh, you know, the, the back of the box looks like the, the 41 D and E with the kind of that blue backdrop where all the characters are, are numbered and labeled. Um, it's got, uh, bilingual, you know, I guess it's, uh, English and French. And then these, I, I did a little bit of research here. It looks like these were available. It says 1981 on the label, but I couldn't find them anywhere, um, for sale in 1981. I did find them in the 1982 Sears Canada wish book. Uh, so on page 236, um, you've got the, the Hoth stormtrooper, the Anna driver and the Claude car pilot, random combination of characters to put in there, by the way. Um, but it looks like you can get them, uh, only at Sears. It says set of 1390, uh, set of three for 1399. Um, it looks like they also had a set of three, available, which was uh, Zuckus, TIE Pilot, and Rebel Soldier. And they also had the uh, series-exclusive uh, Cloud City playset on that same page. But um, those old wish books are really cool. I don't know if you've had a chance to look through one, but, man, the nostalgia factor is off the charts for those old Sears wish books. Yeah, there's something special. Um this one's kind of doubly cool because this page is opposite the 1982 G.I. Joe page. So it's the first year of G.I. Joe. Um, oh, wow. That's so awesome. Ju- juxtaposed next to the Star Wars. I mean, that's just that was my childhood right there. So really cool to see those. Very cool. So if you were going to guess uh, on this one, you know, it's estimated between $10,000 and $20,000. Uh, it's currently at 8400 so this one has a, a grade of 75, but it's a Q grade. It looks like the the tape um, has come loose or was um, was broken at some point. So it's got a Q grade on it. Um, I don't know if that, that'll prevent it from getting near the, the high end of the range, but I'm going to go with uh, 18,000. Okay, I like that. <laughs> just because it's so it's just so uncommon, and right. it's already got five bids. It's up to eighty four hundred. Um, they've got you know, two of the three characters on there are pretty good. Um, you get the Adat driver and the Imperial Command or Stormtrooper. Yeah, two of the most desirable um, Empire Strikes Back characters, sure. And then, of course, why not put the cloud the cloud car pilot in there with him? He's the Chewbacca of the Android set. Uh, right yeah. but um anyway it, this just rarely pop up mm-hmm. i know there's a, a couple of folks out there that that collect the multi-packs and i i think that they'll be fighting for this one okay i um i love this next piece i i love the packaging and design of this next piece um I think it's one of my favorites of, of the entire Star Wars line. I love how small the box is and just, uh, you know, the, the, the artwork on the front. Um, so this is a, it's a six pack and it has a yellow background and it has six figures, the six bagged figures uh, that come inside the box. And it's uh, Darth Vader, Snow Trooper, Adat Driver, um, the Rebel Hoth Trooper, IG-88 and Yoda. 
Um, and these are these are pretty rare. Uh, there is a red version of the box, you know, where the background's red, that is rare. But even still, finding one like this where it's complete with the figures, um, this one earned a Q grade, so I think the box was open, but the figures inside are still sealed. And uh, the estimate on this, $2,000 to $5,000, and it's currently at 2800 Wow. Yeah, this one is... Uh, uh, very popular. Yeah, you see a lot of them Q-graded. Um, hard to come by. There's also a red backdrop version with some different characters in it that's also... I think that one's even harder to get than this one. Uh, anytime they pop up, they go crazy just because folks love these. Um, already almost 60% of the way. Uh, let's see what we got here. No, it's a 2900. So we're over the low end of the estimate. We're um, a couple thousand away from the high end, but I think it'll get there. I think so too. Uh, the first time I ever saw one in person and, and held the box, I was really surprised at how small it was you know yes. it's just it's a it's a tiny yes. box and when you see it you know on facebook and in photos and stuff uh you know you just expect it to be this this bigger item and it really isn't i mean they really pack those figures in tightly yeah it's got this like larger than life reputation and then you get up and see it up close and it's like okay that's it yeah. it's expecting more yeah it's kind of yeah. like the mona lisa when you look at it you're like okay what's all the fuss about but, <laughs> sure sure Okay. And the next, the next item, um, I want to get to this Popey lot number 1762, this Popey full set of 15 boxed figures. So this, I guess this is, I call this a salesman set, uh, salesman's boxed set. And the, the Popey figs are really cool. They made 15 different characters. Um, there's three different Lukes. So of the 15, 20% are Lukes. And then, um, you know, they pick Boba Fett and Vader's in there. They got some just really cool items that, uh, the average collector really hasn't seen because these were only released in Japan. And it's just cool to see a Star Wars figure come in a box. Uh, very collectible. Again, there's only 15, so putting a run together is not going to be too terribly daunting. Um, but there's just a lot of cool with these uh, with these items in general, and the fact that these might have been a, a salesman set uh, just kind of adds to the the cool factor. But uh, it looks like, as is common with a lot of these, the bottom inner flaps are cut out. I guess that's the equivalent of the proof of purchase uh, for Popey, so they wanted to, I guess, discourage people from getting one of these sets and just sending in the the uh, item for redemption. But um, this one comes with a, with a custom acrylic case to display these, but um, really cool. Whenever I saw these for the first time pop up on this auction, I was like, okay, that's, uh, that's an attention getter for sure. Yes, and the estimate matches that as well, too. I mean, this is another piece that's in the $10,000 to $20,000 range. Um, currently, it is at $8,400 now. Um, Matt, I don't know what something like this would, would even go for, but if I were taking a guess, I mean, $15,000? I mean, would $15,000 sound reasonable for something like this? So there's 15 figures. It'd be 1000 bucks a piece. 
I mean, that that's where I think it'll end up just because of the kind of the quick math of it. But um, to put one together, if you want to uh, piece these together one at a time, I mean, that, you're going to pay up for about half of them because they're either really hard to find or good characters. So I think if you can get this at 15,000, it'd be a pretty good buy. It would certainly make for an interesting display. I mean, it kind of looks like a, a train, you know, or a parade of these, of these figures. Um, but yeah, like you really don't see these come up. I think it mentions in the certificate of authenticity that uh, there are only a handful of these that exist. Yeah, they're they're really tough to come by. Um, uh, so, if you were going to guess, I, I know you had you had given us a price before, but just between the Popey uh, salesman set and the uh, Kenner Canada three pack Sears exclusive, um, would you would you maintain that the the three pack is going to sell for a higher price than the salesman set? I I think the three pack will for. And the reason I say that is because I know that there's a lot of multi-pack collectors out there. They're used to spending big bucks because the, you know, the, the traditional three pack run, um, those get up into kind of this 10 to $20,000 range. So they're used to spending that. Um, and then these weren't available in the U S and so they're, they're even more of a novelty for us collectors. So, um, while it wouldn't shock me that the Pope would go for more because there's simply there's there's more figures in there and that you know tougher to come by uh, with the salesman provenance, um, it wouldn't shock me that the Popies would go for more. But I think I, if I had a place to bet, I would go for the three pack. I think for your average collector too, you know the fact that you can see the front of this piece, whereas with the the Popey ones, you really can't as far as displayability, you know, and, and again, just for like your average collector, um, who would be interested in both. I think, yeah, it makes sense going for the, uh, the three pack. Okay. So yep. now we venture into some of the sealed and graded vehicles from empire strikes back as our, our final turn into, uh, the, the look at empire strikes back items from the Hakes auction. Matt, does anything stand out to you from this set? I do want to mention the uh, this item. I've been after one. I'm trying to get 80 or 85 condition, and I've been after one for, God, four or five years. And I just, I can't find one. I'm, when one pops up, I'm either too late um, or the guy decided he wanted to keep it. But the slave one. Um, back in the good old days when we were calling it slave one. Um, this one, not only in addition do you get the slave one, this one's got the action play setting offer as well, um, which kicks it up a notch in terms of, uh, rarity and desirability. Um, there were two vehicles, I believe it was two, it was the slave one and then the, the Vader TIE fighter that came with this action play setting. Um, and they don't pop up hardly at all. So this one's 75. So Good box. Um, obviously topical with the show. Um, and then just, it's just hard to get in general right now. Even, you know, action play setting aside, uh, these, these vehicles are becoming tougher and tougher to, to get. 
I think this one's going to exceed the 5,000. Um, I think it'll get uh, between five and six. Really? Okay. Um, I there was a there was a 75 that just sold very very recently, like within the last 24 hours on eBay for twenty five hundred dollars. Um, yeah. But it did not have this this special uh, playset offering. Um, the the play setting it's essentially it's just it's a piece of cardboard a, a trifold cardboard piece I think but uh, really cool yeah and as you said really hard to find like that um, so five to six thousand dollars is your is your guess for where it winds up yeah okay I think it's going to go slightly lower than that I, I think we're still sort of in that thirty five to forty five hundred dollar range but um I'd be I'd be amazed if it hit five to six thousand dollars, and I, I think if it does, I think expect to you know at that point expect to see a leveling up of all sales of the of the slave one. Yeah, I, I've been actively trying to find one for a while, and I'm I'm surprised the seventy five just sold for twenty five hundred because um, I know of some that have exchanged hands behind the scene that have been in 75 condition that have gone for over 3000. Um, yeah. And I was expecting this one to be more in the $3,500 range when it sold and it literally just sold. So, but, um, I think the Hakes one will sell for much more. I mean, it's at 20, it's almost at 2,500 right now. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be paying extra attention to this one. Mm-hmm. Another rare one uh, that people can often overlook is the Empire Strikes Back battle-damaged X-Wing fighter. Um, and so this one has the – it came with the um, the decals uh, to make it look battle-damaged. And uh, on the box art, um, it has a scene from Dagobah. It's just a really tough one to find, especially sealed in, in good condition and um, – Right now, it's at $1,200. The estimate is $2,000 to $5,000. Matt, do you have any feelings on this one? I mean, this is an underrated vehicle always. Um, It doesn't get the the same level of love that the original one has. I like this one better because it's it's got the battle damage. It's it's from Empire. Uh, It's got really cool box art. Um, you know, in the sequel trilogy, you see kind of the battle damage X-Wing show up again when it's sitting in, you know, underwater and, and, uh, you know, Luke does this thing where he finally gets to, to resurrect it from, from the water. And then, um, I don't know. It's just, uh, I think the interest in this one's is increased so steadily over the years. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, maybe, maybe not at the level that the Slave One will sell for, but um, but the estimate is there. You know, two thousand to five thousand dollars for that one, for the Slave One, and for the Empire Strikes Back Cloud City playset, which is you know a really fun playset. Came with some figures, and uh, this one's graded at an eighty plus. Another one that's just very hard to find in this condition, sealed. Yeah, I remember for the longest time, like this was, this was the playset that was um, the hardest to find, and always was, you know, going for the most money. Back 
pre eBay days. Like this was the one that like, I had never even seen it. It was so rare. Um, and you know, 80 plus condition, they're hard to find in this condition. Um, I love that green it just pops. You get all the figures. Um, it's just a lot to like with this one. I, I'm kind of surprised it's, it's kind of under 2000 right now. Has a two to $5,000 range. It looks like there's more interest in the slave one. And there's only slightly more interest than the X-Wing battle damage at this point. Of the three, do you think is, is slave one the clear winner or do you think that the X-Wing or the cloud city playset will come close to whatever the slave one brings in? Even though the slave one's at 75, the other two are at 80. Um, I think just the desirability of it plus the action play setting mm-hmm. is going to take it above those other ones. This is one of those times where if you win any one of those three, you come out a complete winner because they're just they're, they're three great pieces, ones that you don't normally see sealed, um, ones that you don't see in this type of condition. Um, you know, how many have we seen where the box is open, missing a flap, uh, missing pieces inside? So, you know, uh, really tough pieces and um, really desirable ones, too. I think these are only going to grow uh, in desirability and in value over the next few years. I mean, just look at what vehicles from the first movie have done over the last, you know, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Really, over the last two or three like, during COVID, like that's the Falcon was forty-two thousand, and the, we've saw we've seen a a, a Sandcrawler in eighty-five condition go for crazy money, and Vader Tie Fighter first release go for crazy money. Um, just X wings good condition x-wings go for crazy money so stands to reason that that we'll see the empire uh boxed items start to gravitate upwards before too long do you think for this auction uh, like we saw with pieces from the mandalorian um that you know the x-wing and this slave one both appeared in the book of boba and also appeared in the mandalorian do you think we're going to see a little burst in interest and in, in price as a result of those appearances. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I am interested to see this back to chamber. So we have blueprints for it. Now this is just the, the top piece. So I guess this is for the micro collection. And this was an unproduced item for kind of that 1983 uh, release. They wound up scrapping the whole line, but this is a pretty cool item because it's on the kind of the blueprint paper. So this is what the engineers would work off of and, and the designers would work off of. Uh, it's just cool to see a, a, anything on this blueprint paper is really cool to me. It just makes for a good kind of wall art just to decorate your office or something. And blueprints um, like this rarely turn up too. I mean, th- this one comes from uh, the collection of Gus Lopez Um so we know it's legit and it, you know, it's just, it is a nice piece, but it is one that you rarely see. Yeah. They have a $2,000 starting bid on it with a five to $10,000 code. Um, Does that seem to be low for you? Uh, it seems to be high to be honest. Okay. Um, we saw a number of, um, millennium Falcon 
blueprint uh, pages for the, the various, I think it was five of the accessory pieces that came with the Falcon um, show up at Celebration Orlando, I believe. I think Jordan Hembro had them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say they went for, say, one to 2000 a piece, somewhere in there. And so here we have uh, just one part of the back to chamber at that. So it's just, I don't know, that, that range seems high to me. Sure. Who knows these days? There are a lot of collectors who do look for um, unproduced pieces, you know, or, or art and um, 2D and 3D pieces from the unproduced pieces from the micro collection, from, you know, any of the Kenner stuff. So I could see this maybe, I could see this maybe bringing in something between seven and 10. Man, I would be surprised, but um, yeah, we'll see. I know that there's some micro guys out there that go crazy for this kind of stuff. And um, with back to being such a big deal and in the, Disney Plus shows. Um, who knows? Maybe that heightens interest even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one more piece that I want to highlight, and it's um, it's toward the end of the Empire Strikes Back run of items here. It's uh, lot number 1772, and it's the uh, Yoda Vacuform Kenner Display box set with shelf talkers. Uh, are you familiar with this one, Matt? Yeah, this one's nice. Um you very rarely get something so complete in terms of um, store displays as this one. Anytime you can get the shipper and everything that was included with it, uh, it's just a, it happens very infrequently. So I would expect this one to garner a lot of attention. Um, I know the individual shelf talkers can go for a couple hundred bucks a piece. Um, and then we've got, uh, obviously, the Yoda... We talked about Yoda already. Um, a resurgence we've seen with that character. So, a lot going right for this one. Does it end up at the high end or the low end of its range? It's five to ten thousand dollars is the estimate. And with the completeness of this, I would expect it to be you know to the in the middle to the high end. Yeah, the fact that it comes with the shipper box as well, too, is, as you said, just something you don't see. And uh, it, it it makes for a really nice display. I mean, these are just, they're beautiful pieces. Um, okay. Yeah, this is a good auction item. Um, yes. The, the market for something like this is so uh, um, well, sporadic. Something like this doesn't come along that often, so having comps is... It's kind of tough. So putting this in an auction setting, I think, is is good. Okay, so we have finished the look at the Empire Strikes Back stuff from the Hakes auction. Um, my God, I mean, there were so many pieces in there, so many high-grade pieces, uh, a number of really rare ones, too. Uh, was there anything that stuck out to you, Matt, now that we've gone through everything? I just, there's so many quality high grade production items I think are the, the highlight of of the Empire stuff. Um, the pre-production items we've seen in previous Hakes auctions. Um, 
I don't think we've necessarily seen a set of high-grade production items like this. The Popey is another really big highlight in this auction. Um, it's always cool to see stuff that you've never seen before pop up. Absolutely. Um, and then that Yoda uh, store display set. like the, To me, those are kind of the four big highlights of the auction. What about you? I like, I really like the 31 backs and 41 backs. I want to see where they wind up. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that um, they generate uh, a lot of interest um, and, you know, and that, that they're finally realized for what they are. I think Empire Strikes Back, sadly, that the figures have been overlooked a lot of times, especially when you get into the different backs in comparison with the ones from the original Star Wars movie. And you know, just thinking about it today, Empire Strikes Back is just as important, if not more beloved at this point, um, or, or more iconic as a film. And so I, I think that, you know, Star Wars is one of those rare events in which uh, the, the toy releases can all be really, really popular and, and that there's a connection for each film. Um, you know, so I don't think, I don't think, you know, I think right now we're seeing more of the, the stuff from the first film garnering more attention and a higher dollar value. But I think eventually that's going to start to swing as people uh, are either priced out of the 12 backs or, are, you know, are just getting to a point where they're, they dive deeper into collecting and are looking for more pieces. And I think having an auction like this that offers almost every single figure from that line um, – you know, and especially in the those those early rounds, you know, the twenty one backs, the thirty ones, the forty ones, and then especially the forty fives too. Um, you know, I, I think it offers uh, collectors to to kind of pick and choose of of what they're looking for, whether it's condition or a specific figure or a specific card back. So that's really where I'm excited. Um, I think the other pieces are great. I'm excited to see where the the prices are for certain vehicles. Um, you know, if if the Slave One is you know now even more popular than it's been because it, it, there's been a momentum for it over the last two or three years, uh, and then something even like you know I, I think there's room inside this auction for a number of sleepers or a number of surprises for this section of, of Empire Strikes Back. So um, I'll be curious to watch, and you know I think we'll be watching it together, and, uh, and kind of, you know, and I think there will be some surprises. Yeah, can't wait to see what they are. Cool. I've got a, uh, I've got a couple bids in on some items, so I'll pay special interest to those. But, um, yeah, just I'm curious to see with all the kind of the financial instability around the world, if people look to be turning to collectibles as kind of an alternative asset, and as we get more money, just from the I don't want to say necessarily from investors, outside investors, but from collectors who are maybe turning a disproportionate amount of their own portfolio over towards collectibles to see if that has any kind of uh, continued momentum into the the prices we're seeing here at Hague's. I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, and there's just general interest and excitement around these items. And so if you're looking to diversify a little bit or looking to get into something else, um, it is fun to get into this world. Uh, I would say too, uh, for anyone who's considering, you know, 
collecting or, or buying, really, really explore uh, these these different lines, you know, and really get to know the history and stuff behind them. Don't just pick them up as as um, investments to put on a shelf because there there's such a rich history with them. Uh, there are so many details, so many things that are interesting. From um, you know, and, and Matt, this would be a wonderful place to plug your book, actually. Um, so you had written a book called Engineering an Empire, and it covers the people at Kenner um, who had worked on the lines that we love and, uh, you know, and, and the, the different, uh, steps and the different items, uh, your book is chock full of photos from it. It's a fantastic read and just learning about the people that created these toys. Um, so w- what was your favorite part about writing that book? So, uh, make no mistake about it. I co-wrote the book along with, uh, yes. two of my good friends, Stephen Ward and Gary Borbidge. Shout out to, to Stephen Ward with- and Gary Borbidge. With yeah, not to be confused with Gary Borbridge. Yes, Bo- Bobridge. Gary Bobridge. Off, off referred to, uh, but no, it was um, it was you know we all wanted to write a book, and we all had obviously a lot of, a lot of familiarity with this subject matter, um, and I'm a history buff, so I you know just the project kind of checked all the boxes for me. Um, but learning kind of the background to how all these toys were made, uh, seeing behind the scenes and all the effort and artistry, time, blood, sweat, and tears went into putting all this together so we could enjoy it. You kind of take for granted that uh, you go to the toy store and they just, they're there, that you just kind of take for granted like how many steps it took to get those toys there. Um, so the book is a look at the, there's, I think there's 70 people featured in the book um, from various jobs around the company that all worked on the line in some capacity. And it's the kind of the story of not only their careers, but like what they worked on for star Wars. So you can kind of put a, um, a face with a, with a toy and understand what all it took from these folks to get those toys to market. So, um, it's available uh, for purchase at engineeringandempirebook.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash engineeringandempirebook. Uh, would love to hear from you. You know, people drop us uh, messages um, and write us emails. And uh, there's still a lot of interest in the book. We get, you know, orders are coming in still uh, weekly on the book. And um, would love for you guys to pick up a copy. As a matter of fact, if uh, if um, if you want to buy a book, I'll just mention this podcast and I'll we'll ship it out free for you. Just uh, you know, drop us a message on Facebook. Let us know you heard about the, the book on the podcast, and we can get you a book out with free shipping. It's normally sixty four ninety nine with priority shipping, uh, so it comes out to I think about eighty ninety nine. Um, but um, yeah, would love for you, uh, you guys to get one that don't have one. As somebody who owns the book and who has poured through it, um, I have to tell you, I, and I've, I've said this before on our podcast episodes, I love the work that you, Gary, and Stephen did. Um, you know, I, I, I can't imagine how much it took to get this book published, you know, and, and to, to have all of these interviews and, and to really be able to tell the stories of the people who worked on this stuff. Uh, 
you know, you, you did such a great job on it. I love it. And, and I would say this to anyone who is, um, you know, bidding on items at, at Hakes. And, you know, if you're a newer, uh, if you're newer into the hobby or newer to collecting, especially Star Wars stuff, I would recommend getting a book like this. Engineering uh, an Empire, it just, it opens your eyes to the human side of, of the hobby and the creative side of the hobby. Uh, the, the photos that you've picked to go with these items. I mean, you, you had access to some of the, the rarest and, and coolest pieces. Um, and, and I think, you know, it, it's, it's something special for our hobby, something special for collecting. And I think it adds to the richness um, and, and to the, the meaningfulness of pursuing a hobby and, and looking, you know, into the history of it. So uh, for anyone who can get it, it's definitely worth the price. Uh, it's, it's a great read, fun read, and, um, you know, made by three of the coolest guys in the hobby. So. Yeah, I appreciate that. Kind words there. Okay, so Matt, that's our look at the Empire Strikes Back segment. Um, what a huge and amazing segment it was. I'm so glad we did that. I was really excited once we started to um, to really dive deeper into the catalog and to see what was available. Um, you know, it's fun to talk about these different backs and, and these different pieces. We don't see them pop up very often. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to go through the Return of the Jedi stuff with you now. Yeah, likewise. And just kind of... Peeking ahead, it looks like there's going to be quite a bit to talk about that's going to be pretty interesting. So definitely looking forward to it, even though it is Jedi garbage. Clear bubbles and revenge proofs galore. Love it. Matt, this was so much fun. I look forward to uh, to our, our next chat coming very shortly. And, uh, and I, I just uh, I love doing this with you. And I, I look forward to, uh, to exploring you know, the catalog in, in fuller detail. Absolutely. Until next time. Stay tuned for more on Star Wars, prototypes, and production. <laughs>